Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Every Thug Needs a Lady. What a read. What a beautiful read. Look at that. Oh, professionals. That is what I'm talking about. As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name's Tim. My name's David. My name's Tom. Tom Sheehan yes. of X to Grind, the best podcast of the century. century Decade. Yes. Millennium. Wow. Millennium. <laughs> I believe it's the hardcore podcast is the Three preferred. E's. Yeah. Yes. Preferred um, nomenclature. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and if you don't listen to podcasts, you may know Tom from ha- him singing in some bands like Indecision and uh, Most yeah. Precious Blood, and yeah, recently well. on that good uh, Somerset Thrower LP. But, yes, that Somerset record's great. It's great. I'm glad they let me ruin it for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely the first time I listened to it when I texted you. I was like, yeah, it's just all of a sudden there's like a weird hardcore song that kind of comes in the way through, and yeah, like they're like it's gonna be uh, the first song on side B. I was like, all right. Fair enough. I like Queens of Stone Age. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so it's funny because someone today on Twitter tweeted, when is there going to be acts you were, uh, an X to grind and as you were a crossover episode? And literally today yeah. is the answer to that question. Amazing. Amazing. And I try to get Bob and Pat into Alkaline Trio. It's not really working. <laughs> Pat likes some, which is shocking because he doesn't really have feelings. Yeah. So he's like for him to be like, like, I like some of those songs. And I'm like, it's, it's also weird because I've seen him massively shit talk them before where I'm like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a no go. But for him, it's like out of ignorance. He's probably like, I need to hate this. My persona hates this. So I'm going to say these nasty things about it. But he actually goes, oh, that song is really, oh no, I really like that song too. And like, I'll name songs or like hum them to him. And he's like, I actually do like this. And I was like, welcome buddy. Welcome to the deep shame that we all share. Right. Um, you know, he's in drug church. He's trying to get on, you know, and that Alkaline Trio offer doesn't come because you were shit talking. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it did yeah. for that against me tour that never happened. So that's true. Know, that's stranger true. things have happened. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mention Patrick and Bob, Tom, your co hosts yep. on Axe to Grind, because I'll relay you a little story. And that was uh, David and I both hearing for the first time our podcast being uttered on axe to grind and you saying that you were a fan and david and i just being like cool that (laughs) all we need all we need for now is just the fact that we know our guy tom over there who we listen to every week is into what we're doing every week God. Yeah, Jeremy Bowman posted that he was gone. I was like, that sounds like it's right up my alley. And then I listened. I was like, oh, this is great. And then I went back and listened to the old episodes. And now I'm a weekly listener. And there's not a ton, honestly, that I, I listen to every week. And you guys are one of like maybe three. Well, yeah. honored uh, is a word. And also, thank you, Jeremy, our uh, first guest and for a long time only guest, That's who right. uh, Tim Crisp um, notably hated. The, we know that. You got Jeremy on the show. It's cool. Big deal. <laughs> I got Brandon. We both got Tom. So Am I only the third guest? You're only the third guest in our trio of guests. 
I mean, you have to end it here because this is quite the trio. Yeah, I mean, really. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how much, who else we could get. If, uh, you know, Dan hit us up and was like, I'd like to do the podcast, we would just have to say no. Sorry. Right, like, sorry, buddy, we're already, you know. Wow, I'm now I'm really intimidated because it's like Ooh. from like it's Jeremy and Brendan and then me. Like I well, feel to like, be, like you're slumming it now. Oh come on! Uh, I mean, Brendan, obviously a lot of history, but uh, you know you've quite some, the slum. Mm, you know, <laughs> uh, Brendan commands a room. We'll put it that way. Uh, he does I listen? And I listen to the other part. Yeah, I, yeah. Yes, he does. He's quite. Uh, he's quite. So Tom. Red. Uh, yes. Before before we get into the song, I want to hear. Uh, tell us tell us about how you got into this band. Let's do this the way we do it all the time. Like, what was your first exposure? Especially because you coming from like being in a band in the '90s, coming from the hardcore world. You know, I know York you as a very too. You guys were tough. You guys <laughs> were yeah, scary. I mean, we were like we were like New York smartcore. We were like the uh-huh. one. You know, um, we were like the dorks that were in hardcore for some reason. Um, <laughs> I you know what? It's funny, like. Being a young, like, hardcore kid, younger, um, it, there were certain bands I was like, I'm never going to listen to this. this yeah. is, you know, like, I like Earth Crisis and mm-hmm. bullshit like that. Then I, then all of a sudden, like, I was like, I started listening to Get Up Kids. I was like, what am I doing not listening to this all the time? Like, what am I doing? And then I got into, I actually got into Alcantara Country from here to infirmary and then mm-hmm. went back and then kind of, like, kept up after that. But it was one of those things. I got that and... um what's there's like that bad i got that together with a bad rocket from the crypt record at the same time Uh, Uh, vagrant vagrant mail order yes Uh and i was like i like rock from the yeah not anymore um (laughs) but i just remember i can picture those two records together and like the cover with the snake on it and all that stuff Mm -hmm. the, the rocket record um but yeah after that i was like oh this is great like this is way better than i expected and we ended up playing a show with them and we had lunch with them they were very nice like not in like a fan oh, wow. club way, and yeah. I'm like, "Hey, we're in the back," and like, "Hey, is it cool if I sit here?" I'm like, "Sure." And then I, someone's like, "That was fucking alkaline." I'm like, "Oh shit, <laughs> okay." <laughs> they looked like everyone else at this festival, but sure, awesome. This is great, you know. Yeah, well, that was uh, was that skate and surf or band? Yeah, it was skate and surf. It was like um, 2002, and like it was like them, Bouncing Souls, Face to Face, Descendants were like the main bands on the day that we played. They were like super nice, like super, you know. And I would run into, like, Matt Skeep at random. Like, he was at, like, a Gorilla, Gorilla Biscuit show at CBGB's, one of the last, like, CB shows and stuff. It was, nice. you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I got into them later than a lot of folks. So I, that's why my theory is why I never get offended by the Latter-day Sins of their stuff. You know what I mean? Like people are like, really? And I'm like, you don't like, you know, whatever, like, whatever random song that, like, mm-hmm. old you fans like you guys are like, this is garbage. And I'm like, I don't mind Draculina. You know, or whatever, you know. Well, now you will be the last guest on this podcast officially uh, <laughs> after that. Um, but no, no, I do think you're right, though. I think there is, uh, we, can be, we can be harsh sometimes because it's out of love. You expect of better of your, of your child. Uh, but I do think I've had that phenomenon, too, where if you're not, like, in the door on day one and you come in on LP3, it's a little easier to be like, it's fine. Like, what, what are you guys talking about? Right, right. Because mm-hmm. the difference between the first two records and, like, record seven are, are so, it's so distinct that you're like, this is not, you know, cringe. This is some weird bullshit. I get, but, like, when you're kind of getting on in the, in, at that midpoint that you're like, this stuff is quaint, like, the cute, like, older stuff that's kind of messy. And mm-hmm. then they became super professional. 
Mm-hmm. And like I got on the in between, like right in the middle, and it's like I both of them work for me just as much. I mean, I, I wish I could feel the same way all of the time, but I'm uh, looking at the world with fresh eyes, it's great. You know, but I'm I mean, just I, trying to entertain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is really all spectrums of a of opinion on this one, where Tim just completely tuned out for a decade. <laughs> Um, you jump back on with is this thing cursed is that yeah right i will i jump back on when we started doing the podcast just because we sort of had this cool premise we were talking about doing a podcast and it was like well i fell off with alkaline trio you have um had just a, such a rough experience with um <laughs> dealing <laughs> right, with right. your fandom uh so and we've done some stuff together on better yet and then it was like let's do that and then we can really like lean into having a real premise for the show right 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 yeah i mean that's the one thing that we are very lucky with is that we have a premise every single week assigned to us you have to like come up with some nonsense to talk to do for three hours hours. yeah oh god yeah but i will (laughs) say to to introduce you a little bit more to the to the people at home tom when we found axe to grind david and i did it was immediately just a you know a a a lead by example sort of thing where we felt like we were doing a pretty good job and then we would listen to when we were listening to axe to grind at first it was just like oh shit this is like i'm gonna step my game up because i'm inspired i i love your podcast i feel like the three of you just have such a natural energy oh, together talking it's that freaking the you new yorkers just breathe <laughs> in a room and talk it fucking works oh yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean i've known pat for like 20 something years mm-hmm. um bob a little you know not as long but like we have no we i mean we still to this day have no idea what we're doing it's just kind of like you know you sit around like hey we're gonna talk about hardcore and then it was like oh this is like what you do after a show probably censored a little bit because people are get upset about things mm-hmm. you know what i mean in terms of like this band sucks we would never say that because you don't want to do that to anybody because you wouldn't want that said about yourself um but yeah i mean like pat knows like the technical stuff and bob's like a you know is good with like like business ideas and shit and like we all kind of throw in like hey let's what about if we do something like this or do something like that and then i was talking to david earlier like we forget all and we have all these loose threads that i'm like oh we only did that once like that was a good idea. We we could pr- probably make life easier for ourselves and just like maybe do that again, make that a recurring thing. But we never do that because mm-hmm. everyone's crazy and working and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it was just like just for fun. And I had done I did a podcast with Pat like probably ten years ago now for Death Death Wish. Yeah, mm, yeah. They had like Death Talk, and Pat's like, "You want to be on it?" I was like, uh, "Okay." And then he, he literally came to my office in Manhattan. And we set up in my work computer and I, we just went through record covers and we talked about the record covers. Bands I had never, like, I knew the name, but I had never listened to the record. I'm like, this, mm-hmm. rec- this cover makes me feel cold. I'm like, it was just, like, <laughs> ridiculous for, like, four hours. So it was, like, a harbinger of things to come that, like, yeah. we were not going to be short. Well, I also love that exercise where it sounds like a weird therapy exercise for you. Where, like, it was. You it was like, like a Rorschach test with, yeah. I'm like, what? And Pat, like, I mean, he knew even less than me. He'd be like, here's, like, say. This- shocking yeah i know um but yeah we, that, and then you know he, I, I ran into him at a show we should really he's like we should really do that i'm like sure I'm like nobody wants to hear from us okay and then uh-huh. he, then he actually made it happen and like bob was on like a, a group chat with us and i was like do you want to be part of this because like you're like a like historian like 
to a level that I've never met anybody that knows more about random shit. And he's like, all right. And then that was it. Well, and I will say if uh, listeners of our podcast somehow don't listen, I would say go back, listen to the last weeks where they made LPs into even better EPs, uh, which was so good. quite a good premise, so much so that I unsolicited sent Tom one of my own. And I thought uh, it was great. And I want everyone to do that because that's fun. That's the whole point mm-hmm. to all of this. Yeah. This generate conversation with your friends. I mean, that's really, you know, how many times do I, you know, you'll get like the text message like a couple, an hour after it's on iTunes, you know, on, on Apple Podcasts. I'm like, so what you, th- what you said about smoking popes, what you said about this. That's the whole point. I, I don't, I, I'm not too comfortable with this idea that you are more David's friend than mine. So we're going to, we're going to move on from that topic. <laughs> I, I will say, we'll have a group like, chat. It's totally cool, man. <laughs> I'm I'm into it. Um, listeners to this podcast, I think, um, will enjoy Axe to Grind just for the fact that when you listen to people talk about stuff that you have a vague interest in, suddenly it's just like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. Oh yeah, that sounds cool. It like I've just listened to so much more hardcore in the past two years than in my entire life. Just because listening to you guys talk about it is awesome. so enjoyable. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, I've listened to so much more stuff that, like, I probably wouldn't have had the time or, like, the bandwidth to kind of be like, all right, when I get off at work at 6 o'clock, I'm going to check out this new band camp. But now it, like, kind of forces me to. And there's so much great stuff out there that, you know, it's cool to be able to kind of avail yourself of that sort of stuff. So, so let's talk about a very old song um, yes. that's somehow nearing – Almost 20 years old. Uh, oh every thug needs the lady. Tom, what made you... Well, you picked this song. Well, we could spill the beans. What made sure. you pick this one? Um, it had... This song has played a... Had a weird role in, in my love life for like five years. Okay. Uh, not that I'm a thug. Say. <laughs> not that I'm a thug. I mean, it's also... I mean, Alkaline Trio and any type of relationship... They play probably Dude. a part in a lot of people's relationships, romantic relationships. Such a mixed song. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, but like, it just so happened that, like, I had dated some woman. Our first date was an Alkaline Trio show. And then, like, then the song became when they did those, um, uh, past lives shows, mm-hmm. they did like four nights in Brooklyn. I ended up like dating a girl that I, that I had met right before that from, and we talked about like, this was like the kind of, turning point i won't go into all the, I, I i wrote this whole thing out to a buddy of mine i'm like should i talk about this on a podcast because i'm kind of embarrassed and they're like no it's a great story it's like a movie i'm like i don't know if anybody wants to hear it some guy that they don't know is like love story um i do i think yeah i think you should tell it really all right you can like you know whatever it's two against one that's how it works in all here, right baby. okay, okay. <laughs> so hey everyone that listens to this podcast it has no idea who i am but i'm gonna tell you my love story anyway so um I go to see Lifetime in Asbury Park. You, how how in-depth are you going to go? Already okay. there. Go, go. So it was, a, it was a, a woman that I had seen on a friend's, um, like in a picture with a friend. I'm like, that woman's very pretty. I hope to, I get to meet her one day. I go see Lifetime in Asbury Park. At the lanes? Line, at uh, Stone Pony with Mouthpiece. Oh, and, beautiful. And Lemuria. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think it was Lemuria. Um, and so I'm talking to a buddy of mine, and he's like, oh, hey, Tom, this is my roommate. And it happens to be this woman. I'm like, what are the chances? It may, I don't want to sound like a weird Netflix stalker movie. This is not, this is not intentional. I just really yeah, love right. Lifetime and I went to Alcon and I went down to Asbury Park. So um, 
you know, we're talking, whatever, whatever. I leave. I don't get a chance to say goodbye. I said, hey, you know, I, I messaged her and I said, if you ever make it up to Brooklyn, let's go get coffee or something. She's like, I'm actually going to be up there two days in a row for Alcalan Trio. They're doing those shows. I'm like, I'm actually going to the second one. Like, okay. Um, so first night she comes up, we meet up for coffee. And I was like, uh, I was like, oh, maybe I'll see you tomorrow. She's like, oh, you will. I was like, all right, that's good. Um, and then, so we're texting during the day and I go, uh, all right. I was like, here's the deal. I was like, by the time they play every thug needs a lady, if you're not into it, give me a high five. That'll be my sign to keep moving and, you know, take a walk. She's like, all right, done. Okay. So, um, she runs to the bar, runs to the men's room. We're coming back up the same set of stairs. They start this song. She literally just looks at me and just starts making out with me. Wow. <laughs> and then we ended up dating for like months and months, and it didn't go as well as I had hoped. But then the next woman I had dated, you know, uh, one day I'm like, oh, what did your tattoo say? And it's these fucking lyrics on her back. Whoa. And I'm like, I can't get away from this goddamn song. <laughs> so it's Holy like an exorcism for me, really. This is me just kind of getting it out there, and I'm never going to listen to the song again. <laughs> this is the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of had that last week where I can never listen to We Can Never Break Up Again, so I know how you feel. Yeah, it um, just, yeah. But holy shit, yeah, you really are the person to speak on this song, if yeah. anyone is. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, I don't know if that story is like too, like, I was like, uh, I, when I write, wrote it out to a buddy, he's like, that's, I'm like, it feels too weird. Until, I mean, like, it feels tell too that weird story. if it's you, but as a recipient of hearing like, is that story, a decent like, story? It's kind of cute. It's like a story. story. It's a great story. I feel like it's like a rom-com story. You know? And you went to New Jersey. Anytime you go to New Jersey, it's good. Right. I'm at the beach. I'm watching Lifetime. It's, you know, it's really, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, Bruce. that's my story. That's why that, yeah, right. Bruce didn't come out. So, Tom, you, um, you and I spoke, uh, you know, like we always do. Uh, we DM'd and... Uh, and you were like, you're like every thug needs a lady. If you know, save it for me. If you're ever coming, if I'm ever in Chicago, and it was like, okay, cool. So, so this is definitely your track. Is yeah. Good Morning? Where's Good Morning rank on like favorite album? I mean, that always changes. It's probably probably top four. I would say. It's yeah. funny, like, I've gone back and the earlier stuff is now my favorite. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. But I think it's probably, like, they might actually be in chronological order. Yeah. Fair. My favorites. That's very fair. Um, but, I mean, I and, like, you know, I like uh, probably up through Crimson and then it gets real dodgy after that. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. <laughs> though, though you also like it, so. I do like Crimson. Say. I even like My Shame is True. I don't think... I have a my pal Dan Ozzy. Tim knows Dan Ozzy. Incredible Hulk. That's right. Incredible Paul That's Tom. right. Yep. Yeah. I know him. He uh <laughs> he stands up for that record. He says that the hate is unfounded. And I can agree to a point. Um, half the record. Half the record. Half. If you, if you bring in those if you bring in those B side tracks from the Broken Wing, you've got a pretty good record, but that's not what they did. So well I don't know. I never understood that with them and other bands too, but like the whole like, this is a great song. How did this not make the cut? It's so goofy because that, I mean, that starts at Agony and Irony, which we can get to, but like, right. I think two of the, my favorite songs from that whole session are in the deluxe edition, right. which we've not spoken or might have done one, but like, I think the same is true with this addiction. Dan's got some fucking bangers right, that right. are not on that record. Kind of holds true here. 
Yeah. And like, it's demonstrably good songs, though. It's not even like... And they, but do they not fit in the flow of whatever their idea of the record may be? But like that song, "Broken Wing," is would be the best song in this record, probably. Yeah, yeah, easily. Or top and, three. I mean, and then it's like they don't. They just and it was recorded at the same time, so it's not even like ah man, we wrote this after the fact and it was actually better than we put out. <laughs> you know. That, yeah, it's just like the least democratic process, is my guess. But you know, right. also not in the band. Can't speak That's to. True. It. But did you did you get going back to Good Morning? Did you get it like when it came out when it was brand new? Yes. So after From Here to Infirmary, I was kind of like on board. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like going to like Best Buy or whatever to buy the record and stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, what was your initial pre- impression of it when it came out? Like, what did you think of it when? So what was two thousand three? Yeah. I mean, at that point, I thought. Um, that was probably at the time I was like, Oh, this is my, this is my favorite record of theirs. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of, because I was still only like two or three years into like my fandom. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, this, this is their best record, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it, for the most part, it holds up. I mean, to me, uh, I think I felt this. I, I still feel the same way. And I was similar with you getting in on from here to infirmary, getting in the old stuff and then getting good morning when it came out. And I st- still think it's the best one. Yeah, because I think it's like where they hit that, like it's their perfect, it's like the their perfect spot that it's like, it's still punk, it's not too overdone, there's not so much weird like a f- flanger effects on stuff, it's just like, mm-hmm. this was the high watermark for them as far as like, them as like a punk band. Totally. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree on that. I think we've said it before on this podcast, I'm like, it may not be my favorite, but I do think it's the best album because they're like, right. they're really in equilibrium, Mad and Dan. And like, that's something I wanted to ask you, like initially, since it is a two singer band, like, were you drawn to both of them equally? Did you favor one over the other? Has that changed over the course of, you know, 20 years, basically? Right. Um, I mean, I think my experience and like from anyone that I like friends that I grew up with, I like them. I feel like everyone's like a Matt person at first. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when you really listen to Dan, you're like, I'm a Dan. Like, I'm 100% a Dan dude. Like, 100%. Um, you know, Matt writes great songs, but there's just something about Dan's stuff that just hits me in a different way. And I think that even extends to, like, their solo stuff. I would hope so. Uh- I love the Dan. So, the Dan solo, but I think that's kind of, like, the delineating thing. Like, the, the Matt solo stuff kind of honks. Yeah. But the Dan solo, the two Dan solo records, I think, are great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's just, I think this record too, and we'll get into it with this song in a second, but I think it's when you start seeing him as a songwriter a little more, as opposed to like him trying to write Alkaline Trio songs. Mm-hmm. And I think sense. like on the first Emergency Room record, there are like five songs on there that I think are like truly great. Like that just like him perfect, like in the pocket, knowing what to do. Right. And like, I think doing that record he did after with like, basically like the Asian man all-stars is his backing band. Like right, right, really right. brought it out of him too. And like, I think he, he just has a real subtlety to him that, yeah, like when you're a kid or when you're younger, I think Matt hits you a lot harder because he's doing the big screams and all his songs are like, have the kind of funny lines. And then you get into Dan stuff and you're like, Oh, like this is what it feels like to be an adult punk, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, he's, like Dan, you know, like, you know, Matt, you know, with the whole like, you know, taking the radio to to bathe with you, you're like, fuck yeah, like, and mm-hmm. like that's my instant messenger, like my like away mm-hmm. message. But like, then you listen, to, like I feel like very few songwriters that I like at least 
do like romantic as like the heart, like the sad romantic as well as Dan does. Yeah. It's definitely like in a, in a fuck, kill, marry scenario. You're marrying Dan. Like, Oh yeah. Hold yeah. hands the whole nine yards, walking around St. Augustine, just loving life. You know? oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he God, is a wife man. guy at his core and yeah. you gotta love it. Yeah. Uh, and, and you age into that. And that makes total sense. Yeah. Totally. And I think this song, like to me as a kid, like, you know, when I was like 13, when I heard this and I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then a few years later, it's like, mm, that song's really, yeah. It's, it really goes from like, take my radio to bathe with you to like, I'll plug in the electric blanket. Yeah, I get that, right. Dan. Like, this is sweet. All right. Yes. But uh, yeah, I think for so like, he just writes stuff like that in a way, in a way that like, that I can't always necessarily like have, I never experienced, you know, different like, you know, filling up like cigarette you know uh like ashtrays and stuff I'm like i've never smoked in my life but like i get that feeling of like i'll mm-hmm. sit here as long as it'll take mm-hmm. to like to get through all of it you know what i mean and i think like you know matt skeep is not writing something that kind of adorable <laughs> or like romantic no. you know what i mean no uh i mean looking at the song like i do think this has some of and we talked about in the blue carolina episode like that has one of my absolute favorite dan lines but there's a lot in this one that I think are so subtle in his delivery of them or so like, no, it's just like so homey and warm that like, I feel like you can't help but love it. And like the way this song, I don't, mentally to me always felt like an acoustic song, even though it's still kind of a fast punk song for the bulk of it is like really telling of like how strong his material was at this point in time. Yeah. And you know, like even like re-listening to it, like the kind of give it like the, the, the real kind of thought that you guys do every week you know what i mean and not just like there's a song that i love and like really kind of listen to it this is a weird fucking song yeah like if you took out just the, if you just took out the vocals and the lyrics and if you listen to like part by part you're like what is happening mm-hmm. <laughs> the way it starts I, off it's like this weird kind of like it should be epic but it's not it's uh-huh. kind of like cursive like ugly organ epic like yeah. <laughs> it should there should be some kind of cello but it's not and then it goes into like the verse that's like pretty straightforward. And then it's like, then it stops and he does a thing and then it goes fast. It's like, it is all over the map. No I was trying to, when I listened to it before doing this and was looking at it today, I'm like, what is the chorus? Because it's kind of like a pre-chorus and then another one and then a post-chorus. Like, yeah. like there's no actual. Yeah, it's like three parts stacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just like hangs out. And that's like kind of the the hook to it i guess is just like returning back to that yeah i think it's like it's such a bold thing that they did for this band it doesn't feel like crazy bold in comparison to like others but the fact that this is the eighth track that's like it's not acoustic led but the acoustic strumming is really the guitar hook to it yeah Mm um i think also, too, like when we talked about Fatally Yours, we essentially like said the reason that this song exists in the way that it does is to set up Every Thug Needs a Lady. And there's something mad powerful about just that like fast, 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 and then start this one with da Yeah, and it's it works. It shouldn't, but it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I feel like I also remember a period of time and I looked at it before we started but like 
because Tim and I did that uh, Setlist FM game over on Patreon. Yes. And I was like, I don't remember them playing this a lot. And then all of a sudden them playing it every show. Right, right. And it like, it looks like they played it a little bit around the release. It fell off a of Setlist. It kind of came back in like 06. But it was like, after they, they did that Occult Roots tour, it was like, boom, we play it all the time now. And it's just like, interesting to me when they have songs like that, where it's like, yeah, I wonder if it just started catching people again, because like, I could have right, seen right. this being a deep cut that they just don't touch. Given Even track eight on, on the fourth record. Yeah. yeah. Like, Visibly enough that it would be like, it's a song that like the real diehards love, but it's not a thing for the people that are going to see whatever. You know what I mean? I could see it too as being something that the sentiment behind this song is really just everything to it. It's you're you're locked in so much to the the emotion and the tenderness of it and the sweetness that of course everybody who hears it like loves it, but I'm wondering if there's a little bit of like from the inside just being like yeah, that's maybe it's a little bit too heavy-handed for uh for fans and then it's just like well no first of all you got so many dudes that are there with their girlfriends and then like anybody else (laughs) i mean has this become people's like wedding song oh that might have been 17 when the record came out and then they grow into this song meaning something to them Mm -hmm. i'm i'm sure that's happened i mean like i feel like this band doesn't have a lot of songs that I think fit that criteria. And it's literally like, this is kind of the one. Yeah. And, you know, not to, you know, we talked about before we started recording, listening to the Damnesia version, which like is fine. It just makes it a sappy acoustic song. And yeah. I think that's, and I've seen Dan play it solo and it's great, but like, I think this song needs the kind of push and pull it has to make it work. Like it needs that full band thing where like, when I was really listening to it today and it's like, in that kind of second part of the chorus right like the double taps that derek is doing on the snare really subtly sneak in and make it this very like active fast song that Mm. like when i was a kid i guarantee you i missed and just thought of it as a ballad right right but mean we because i guess dan kind of like stretches like his kind of the vocals a little bit so it's not as fat i think like dan's like his presentations are more like like language as compared to like Skiba's always like stuff is fast, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm yeah. stuff about other people. But like this was like sort of like this could be like it took me listens to realize that it's like it this is all over like this goes from like kind of epic to just like normal kind of you know four by four and then it like stops for, for a second and then it gets super fast. Then it goes back into the first it's like mm-hmm. that push and pull like you said though probably make like the lyrics are still great. Mm. But this as just a straight acoustic song with no real dynamic. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it works. I think that like the um the way that it picks up in pace, it's like it's definitely a sign of the time for the band too, because it's sort of like you have to like in introducing a song like this in your catalog, it's like you have to you have to vamp it up a little bit. You have to like give something to like, you know, wet the appetite of the fan that's out there. That's like, whoa, hold up, hold up. Right. What is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now well, I feel it, like it, yeah. 
No, I feel like it's almost interesting. It's interesting to talk about it that way and then forget that like their first record has two acoustic songs on it. And it's like, well, come on now. Yeah. But those are like, those are really different. I think that those yes. are just like, like almost monolithic, even though there's two of them. Dualithic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Two monoliths. It's uh-huh. like those things that are appearing in the forests. Right, right in Romania and in Utah. Yeah. I can't believe I missed the one in Utah. I was there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's just like, uh, I my personal belief is it's just like some like album release promo for like an Arcade Fire record or something. It's bullshit. either that or Muse or some bullshit. You know, it's yeah. gonna be like, check it out, I'm soul and on top of it. Yeah, it's... It's one of the two. Matt uh, somehow involved. I mean, so let's let's get into the lyrics a little bit just because like, it's one where I feel like there's not like one line that really sticks out. It's just this like the way he builds it. And I like what you said, Tom, but like Skeeb is always like really lyrically and vocally, vocal melody wise, like falling on the measure. Like he's, the line right. sits at the top and end and Dan's really, really putting it all over the place. And I think it, it gives it this real like storyteller vibe as lame as that sounds, but it's well, like, it's no, like it's, a Springsteen yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, do you think this doesn't work as a Skiba song? No, in no world. like not a, not even close like you couldn't picture matt singing this and it making sense yeah. even acoustically yeah it just doesn't track it's a vulnerability that matt doesn't have it's like he's <laughs> if he's scared of something it's you know because of uh whatever whatever's flying above his ceiling fan or uh, lurking <laughs> right. underneath his bed yeah. but yeah, I I totally I'm with you David. It is like a story type of thing. It is there's I think there's so much to be said just for what is achieved by that opening and then that settling and it's like okay, like cool. There's really very little that's happening underneath Dan uh during those vocals and that's that's a bold ass thing. Mhm. Mhm. And I mean there's even so much where like it, there's just like not really backing vocals underneath him. It's just a confident Dan performance. And like mm-hmm. so often on their choruses, Dan will back Matt. Derek definitely will on record. But like this right. is just like a fucking Dan jam. Like yeah. there's no anything else to it. And like it's, yeah, I think there are just a lot of bold decisions where like this could have easily been that track eight on a record deep cut, but like it somehow just elevates itself out of that space mm-hmm. in like, the most subtle and I think kind of endearing ways where it's one of those songs where it's like, I I think my only beef with it is the title. Yeah. Very of the moment, very Ja ja Rule. I get it. You know? Yeah, totally. It it hasn't, it hasn't aged well. And I think that, I think that an important thing to note is the way the term thug has been really, really heavily co-opted and i think that now it's sort of like you know i i had a do-rag when i was a junior in high school that i got at like spencer's as a gag and you know looking back it's like well that's kind of a shitty thing that you sure bought from the mall as a white suburban youth (laughs) and i think that it's like in that spirit so it, it is like it's embarrassing, I think, but 
I mean, it's it's one of those things where the mid two thousands pop culture of like white people interacting with rap was like Jamie Kennedy comedy movies and like Eight Mile parodies. So like, it's not that level, but it's like it's definitely of a time where like, and part of me does wonder, knowing that like I have a friend who um, like interned at Atlas when they were recording this addiction, and they literally just had a poster of like bad puns they were going to call the record so like i'm not putting him past them that like dan wrote this touching song and either fucking derek or matt were like let's call it this you know like Mm -hmm. right right like but that has always been the one thing where like that has aged poorly and it's just like it's just a joke title for a song that's like i I get i get why they did it but it kind of feels like the last for a minute the last time they would really do that yeah, but then they did like Dine, Dine, My Darling. Oh, I said for a minute, not forever. <laughs> not forever. But I mean, I now imagine like you're at a wedding and you're like, and now for the first time as, you know, Mr. and Mr. Anthony. Yeah. Every thought needs a lit. You're like, what? The, your aunt is like, what is happening? What are we doing? Like, what's what are going we? on now? So I've actually got a great story, Tim, that you talking about high school sets up is I went to a Catholic school. Uh, mm-hmm. Did not love that. Um and in one of our theology classes, they were like, oh, we want everyone to bring in like a modern song and read the lyrics that speaks to like the virtues of like love and fidelity and stuff. So I just brought in the lyrics to this song and like had to read them in front of the class. And they were like, oh, what's the song called? And I was like, every thug needs a lady. And it's just like, <laughs> this which is, is like funny. Like dissonant. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. But I, and I think also at that time, like it was just like people were like, naming songs just like ridiculous song titles just for the sake of it yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. the thing is like we were in that moment of like the 2000s was just a fucking awful time for that and like if this is yeah. as close as they really get to that like scene core like uh, exactly. ironic thing right i'll forgive it right um, like, sil- like silver print on shirts you know like the <sighs> yeah like i feel like they this is as close as they got to dumb mm-hmm. mosh core yeah they thankfully did not indulge in like really terrible merch until like the agony and irony like we're gonna make a shoes and a fucking messenger bag and right and a a scarf that's misspelled i mean i own that that's their best pizza merch and that is worth you know The, the best part of that is that they were selling it at the show and it took people posting on instagram to be like yo that's spelled wrong for them to be like Oh well, and then they just tried to like, lean into it, and it's like, mm. yeah, there's no explaining that away. There is none. Yeah. There's a great story about uh, William Gaddis, a novelist who wrote a uh, novel called The Recognitions, and uh, nobody noticed that The Recognitions was misspelled on his tombstone until <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> <Brutal>. <laughs> and he came back to point it out, like, really? He's like, like one shining moment you couldn't spell it right <laughs> and i i do just want to say it and i don't want to make this political but i do want to address the one lyric that is the elephant in the room which is where dan acknowledges he is the cause of climate change when he says he will make it warmer next year and he forgot to stop doing it so right. that's really <laughs> a bigger problem with this song that we've not addressed but you know thank you dan i sat out on my deck for about 20 minutes today just because i could so yeah i was only wearing a light coat i, I appreciate that in the last 17 years every year you know compounding upon itself it's really you know oh my god yeah dude what who this guy dan, dan andriano who would known who you know what i think that he wants the world to look like the good morning cover 
That's what it is. It's is true. <laughs> and he's got a very warm, like syrupy voice. It all makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we moved God. to the South. It just happened. Um, <laughs> so let me just, is the best part of this song, so go plug in your electric blanket. It, to me, that's where it just transforms. It's so simple. It's like just a little bridge throw at the end. You know, I, I don't I know if I would say together. it's the best, but the the bridge at the end is a fucking move that I respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just like, I not to, I, I would say it's one of my favorite parts, but there's, when it first goes back into that kind of like chuggy mm-hmm. epic riff, it's just like, man, they're really fucking doing this. And I mm-hmm. kind of feel that every time where it's maybe not the best part, but it's the part that gets me like, yeah, this is like really fucking good. Yeah. And now I have to go on like YouTube and watch this. I can't picture them. Pl- I mean, they, I've seen them play this live, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine what this sounds like without the acoustic behind it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. And you've been just song. yelling random stuff like you usually do. <laughs> oh, God. Someone like uploaded a lot of the uh, past lives, like full concerts, like the, the videos that came with like the box set or whatever. Mm-hmm. He is just kind of like throwing it out there, boy. Like it's not even his song and he's fucking just yelling in the background, just loving every minute of it. That's the thing is I, I can forgive it when he's doing it over a dance song and he just seems to be very excited. Yeah. But I hate it when it's like cringe and he's just mumbling and then saying the name of the city. It's like, mm, well, let's maybe not do that. <laughs> but he's like yelling and he's like holding notes. I'm like, We're doing, this is now you're doing this? Yeah. Remember that, and that, that one part when he's like, who here likes to drink tequila? <laughs> <laughs> he does sometimes. He runs out. Yeah. <laughs> he toes up to that line. Speaking of which, Tom, you saw the Skiba and the Secrets disaster tour. Holy shit! <laughs> yes. Um, where do I start? The fact that he wore a headdress probably number one. Not good. Not yeah. Cool. Not it cool. is a lot worse than the song title. That's true. And that was more recent. <laughs> yeah. And like he had like an all-star band. He had like Hunter from AFI and like some other people in it that were like pretty legit players. And I went to see them and um, Smoking Popes opened. And it was awful. Yeah. I didn't love that record anyway, but like I was like, oh, this would be cool. Holy shit. It was like watching a car accident. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I don't know if that was before or after your Chicago show that just Chicago show was the first tour or first date of show. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So it, it improved slightly. So I got the better version of the tour. Still but I mean, I will say as someone who loves watching a train wreck, I don't think you did. Um, <laughs> that and the, that saves the day show that I've referenced a million times. I'm still, still <laughs> mad that I missed that wild um and then i saw it's kind of like the same thing happened in asbury park when they did the where's the band thing and like with dan and with um dude from bayside and andy jackson from hot rod circuit and like in that lineup hot rod circuit has some bangers but like the 24 year olds that are seeing the guy the guy from bayside does not give a shit about that guy and they're talking over him and then chris conley is screaming he's wrapping himself up in like in the in the um in the in a curtain he's got a hat on he storms off the stage that like matt Pryor 
just had to like get up on and be like, all right, we're going to play all the songs you want now. Just cause like, this is, I'm so embarrassed that this is happening. So it was like songs that you're like, he's like, all right, cool. I'll play like holiday. All right, here we go. Like he, <laughs> he definitely was like, fuck. He was taking one for the team. Yes. You could tell they were all like looking at each other. Like what the fuck can we do now? It was incredible. <sighs> Boy. Sad though, because that was like a little bit more than just like you know yeah. like Skiba being like, "I'm be- this is my weird period." Like he was obviously going through something, so it's not as mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. as fun. So, like that's not fun to see. Like Skiba just being like, "Oh, you think this is cool? Like th- you're you're not like fucked up or on drugs or having any kind of psychiatric issues. You just think this is the fucking coolest thing on the on two legs. Like this is ridiculous." Yeah, I I, I would just like to as we're. Uh, telling stories. I once had a friend whose band opened for Alkaline Trio, and that's how I know that uh, Matt Skiba's uh, cell phone ringer is just the sound of a motorcycle. So, you know, <laughs> it tracks. It, it tracks. That makes sense. Then the whole Ducati thing, the whole Ducati turn makes sense. It's really... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but boy, we really took that uh, bad place after a great song now, didn't we? Uh, Sorry, yeah. Was- oh, great place. Great place. But I feel like there's all, like there's no... To me, like lyrically, there's nothing that I go. I could, I could take or leave that part. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is all pretty, all bangers. Like you can, these are all something that you could like have tattooed on you for, for, <laughs> for example, or yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like you could buy like a poster of this on Amazon when someone like steals someone's lyrics and puts them in like a nice font. Like yeah, this is like the art next to a sign that says like gather and like right, right. all like, that type well, of stuff in a yeah. bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I do, I do think that it has aged quite well for being mm-hmm. as sentimental as it is. Um, you know, I think it holds up better than I, I'm just thinking back on like romantic comedies that you watch and then watch them down the line. It's like, yeah, eh, kind of weird. This yeah. ages really well for being a really, really sentimental track. No, I mean it's totally true because I feel like you you go back and listen to stuff that you liked as a, as a younger human being and you're like, ooh, that yeah. doesn't feel right at all. Like, oh, this is you're not taking any kind of any of the onus on yourself for that breakup or whatever. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like this is actually like, I mean, yeah, he he probably can you know sing this to his wife tomorrow and not be like, sorry about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I saw a great tweet the other week, which was uh, Dashboard and Dashboard Confessional and Gaslight Anthem are bands that should change names. Um, <laughs> which, you know, I, I think that kind of says it all. I think, I do think that is the one interesting thing about Alkaline Trio more than anything else is like, I don't really go back to their early stuff. I mean, I guess first decade really up through Crimson and I'm like, oh, this is aged poorly or like feels like bad. Mm-hmm where a lot of stuff from that time, like, you know, some of the saves the day stuff is like pretty rough in yeah. Yeah. even yeah. like five years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's coming from a per- like, so, you know, young people writing this stuff and it's like, you don't, you know, mm-hmm. and, and things have changed so much in the last 15 years, 10 years, five years that it's like, you know, descendants couldn't happen now. No, right. no. You know what and I mean? I think- and, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of these artists, credit to them, have done a good job to address those things, acknowledge them, move right. forward with that. And like, yeah, I'm not going to hold anyone accountable for things that they, especially in the case of some of these people, wrote when they were 18 years old. Right, right, right. I mean, the descendants, I think, have done a nice job of like being like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have said that. And they changed the lyrics and that sort of stuff. 
I mean, there's a band that's like doing like a, well, they were doing something over the summer, uh, playing like one of their records that is really problematic. And like, refusing to change a word of it. They're like, this is what it is. Hmm. Like, yo, this sucked in 2000. Yeah. It was offensive then. Mm-hmm. Like now it's like fucking disgusting. And they're like, this is what it is, man. I'm like, no one's going to be mad if you change a word. Especially <laughs> if it's one word. Um, I mean, this has a lot of words, but. Fair enough. Oh, it's music with a lot of words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just like, hey, we said this word that's not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, there's some content there that's not great. But like. Fair enough. Massage a little songs and it's, you know, not that bad. Yeah. They're refusing to do it because it's the art. Well, what do you well? What do you think? Is it time to rate it? I think it's time to rate it. All right, give Tom. It I'm gonna give it five out of five X's. I'll go five electric blankets out of five electric blankets. Oh, I that was nicer. That's. I'm gonna do five causes of climate change out of five. <laughs> so this is five out of five. This is this is rare air. Universal. This is this is a magical song, man. This is yeah. every component of it is perfect. It's all so new for the band, yeah. and yeah. they took a they took a risk, and it fucking paid off. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's it's one of the only ones where like a lot of the f- stuff I give fives, I would have given a five when I was fifteen. Sure. This is one where. When I was when this record came out, I was like, "Hey, eh, it'd be a three. And then over the years, it's just like kept Rowan, climbing yeah. the wrong. Where right, like right, right. there was just that moment one day where I was like, "Oh, I fucking love that song, huh?" But how great is that though? For so- for a song to kind of grow with you is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty fucking awesome that this song kind of did that for all of us, really. Yeah, yeah, you know, which is awesome. Hell yeah! Everyone listening to this, subscribe or follow Axe to Grind on your podcast player of choice. It's it's the podcast that we aspire to be over here. Tom, this is like one of the fucking coolest things that we've ever been able to do for this I appreciate podcast. You let me spout off about my, you know, Alkaline Trio. This is great. I don't have to talk about hardcore. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. No, but thank you. Really, thank you so much for you, both of you guys for having me. I, I mentioned this probably like two years ago at this point. Like, if you ever do this song, just keep yeah. me in mind. And it actually came to fruition. And we just I'm living the long secret. build. This is the secret. This is like you just put <laughs> it out there into the into the cosmos. It will come back to you. So I appreciate you guys for letting me do this. We appreciate you doing it, and we appreciate you manifesting it. Apparently, uh, <laughs> wouldn't have happened any other way. But yeah, like Tim said, Tom, thanks for doing this. Listen to Axe to Grind, subscribe to Axe to Grind, and uh, everybody, let's let Tim take it out. We'll see you next week. Thank you, friends. Summer wedding day, go plug in your ear.